0: Russia had also requested at some stage that a lot of its um, you know, gas sales to uh, parts of mainland Europe are paid for in rubles, which by extension means that those you know, those uh, people who are buying that will have to exchange those rubles uh, or buy those rubles in the open market using uh, euros or dollars, which effectively might, uh, I guess, uh, bring some you know, dollar or euro liquidity to some of those markets. Where are we in so far as that is concerned?
1: So, they indicated, particularly with regards to the gas, um, Russia's government had very clearly said it would only make payments in rubles. Um, however, naturally, for a uh, U.S. for particularly the, the bonds, particularly for the dollar bonds, mm. um, this would mean that um, they need to still make their payments in dollars. So, um, there are being um, a challenge, particularly to the payments that they can make. And obviously, Russia's payment is that the U.S. Treasury will not let Moscow use any of the further reserves. Um, to make payments, um, whilst the Russian um, government has indicated that, it, that they could only use rubles. Um, so the U.S. is obviously shifting or just leading them to obviously make use of those unfrozen um, dollar assets. Um, however, it, it is likely mm. to be a challenge, um, particularly with regards to the clearing agents such as Citibank.
0: Yeah, and of course, I guess, uh, you know, the other implication of all of this um, is... Uh, not only insofar as gas exports are concerned, but other exports that are coming out of uh, Russia uh, and the inability to uh, keep those out. But let's maybe go with this for a second. If indeed Russia does get some difficulty in either paying the principal or even some of the coupon payments, I, I know there's a, a bond that is redeemed this year, actually, in 2022. Um, if, if they fail to make those payments, what is the implication? Uh, not only for, I guess, Russia itself, but also I just, just for capital markets in the northern hemisphere.
1: Yeah, so it's particularly if Russia, as you indicated um, introducing the story, it will be the first time that Russia um posts the, the independence, particularly the far barring since nineteen eighteen, um that they will obviously default um to particularly bondholders. Mm. Um so Russia obviously is trying to avoid its first foreign currency debt um delinquencies. Um however um, if it does default um it, it does obviously um obviously, pose a challenge, particularly for um, any future debt holders or, um, debt, or bond holders who obviously want to hold um, Russian bonds. But I think it will also be, also particularly in the institutional space, where you will see um, a lot of institutional investors. Also, if an asset manager did want to hold a Russian bond, it will be an ESG concern that um, a lot of investments or institutional investors mm. um, might um, find and um, query that asset manager um, if they do want to hold a, an, a particular Russian bond going forward. Yeah,
0: yeah. I Akwana, hold the line there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. And uh, when we come back, I want us to take a look at a few other stories in the markets. And, uh, of course, one of those, uh, including uh, the sentiment of uh, many purchases in the secondary industry in manufacturing. Uh, and we'll also take a look at, uh, yeah, Uh, the uh, civil rights audit and what that is Uh, and uh, we'll come back to that and many other stories in our business wrap after this break 23 minutes it is after 7pm you tuned in to Metro FM talk here on the mighty Metro it's our wrap of the top business stories Akonam Lamleli, Portfolio Manager at 274 Investment Managers is my guest tonight and uh, we take a look at the latest out in the financial and capital markets and uh, if you just joined us uh, we had a brief discussion around the looming prospect of a uh, sovereign uh, default on the part of Russia this uh, due to some of the restrictions on what basis and uh, uh, the ability to pay and uh, the issues with you know uh, payment fulfillment agents and all of that um, insofar as uh, some of the bonds that are due for redemption this year but also some of the coupon payments that are due uh, are concerned and uh, you might want to comment on that give us a shout zero eight nine double one zero double three double seven what implication? do you think a default might have for the pace and tenor of the war that is unfolding out in Russia and Ukraine? Uh, But, uh, yeah, one of the things, I guess, that is being driven by that particular conflict is um, uh, fuel prices, Akona. And uh, it seems... Uh, If the Department of Energy um, and some of their messaging is anything to go by, uh, those who fill up with petrol might be paying a lot less. And uh, many of us Mm -hmm. who are impacted, I guess, by across the board, all of us, I should say, are impacted by diesel prices because diesel is a major input into all of the things we use and that get to our doorsteps. Yeah, what do you make of this one?
1: Yeah, so diesel also much is going to be made of use, particularly to the ESCOM load shedding, which was just announced a few hours ago. But yeah, the mm. mineral, um, resources and energy minister um, department did indicate that there are will be um, decreasing um, both grade of petrol. Um, however, there won't be uh, there will be increases, particularly to diesel. Um, so, diesel will increase um, alongside eliminating paraffin. Um So, the department has indicated that the the department indicating that the average international product prices, particularly for petrol, um this decrease um, during the month um, of April. Um, however, diesel and illuminating gasoline, um have increased. So some of the reasons and some of the challenges um, with regards to diesel, the department noted that um, the prices have climbed quite exorbitantly. Um, however, the current climate, particularly pertaining to the UK and Russia, which is obviously the main exporter um, of diesel, um, is obviously feeling the increases that we currently see, particularly to diesel. Um, so this is particularly a bad news for um, diesel motorists. Um, however, I think with regards to paraffin, as you know, um, a lot of South Africans also make use of paraffin um, in order to cook, um, heating, um, lighting, and also as we enter the winter season, particularly for South Africans, I think this will be quite a, a challenge, particularly for um, households um, that are obviously struggling at, at all to obviously make ends meat. Mm. Um, so this is something that we just need to gorge and watch quite carefully. Um, however, if we cast our minds back to you, about um, before April, where the Minister of Finance and his department um, did provide some indication in terms of interventions, um, which indicating that um, the Minister and the Finance Department, particularly National Treasury um, will be using the country's reserves um, to allow for the general fuel maybe um, to obviously be about of one round 50 at the time for the period um, 6 April and coming to an end um, at the end of the month. Um, So that has provided some cushion um, for a lot of the locals. Um, However, this particular period, two-month period, does lapse at the end of the month. And and we obviously just need to monitor um, what the department does and the finance department does um, in terms of providing um, a review in terms of going forward. Mm. Are we in, I guess, you know,
0: struggles, debates and conflicts over fuel subsidy territory? And I ask this because, I mean, if you look at Many other countries where in moments of difficulty, you know, nations have used fuel subsidies or any other forms of cushions. I mean, it's happening in the United Kingdom. It's been done numerous times in Latin America. We see it in places like Nigeria as well. Are we in that territory now where a big part of the you know, societal discussion is also going to be what actions come out of the Ministry of Energy and the Ministry of Finance insofar as cushioning the impact of excessive fuel prices is concerned?
1: Yeah, so remember the cushioning, um, particularly the cushioning that they did communicate, um, as I indicated, is coming from reserves. So, for example, um, the fuel levy, which was introduced, um, is said to obviously set them back um, in terms of the potential revenue of about 10 billion um, over the coming year. And um, so, this was done obviously to cushion us as consumers, but it was obviously a short-term um, initiative that was obviously brought in um, for the two months. Um, yes the, the department has made other particular measures um with regards to the reduction of basic fuel um, after the two month period does last, and also a review um by the Department of Minerals and Resources Energy um in terms of um unleaded petrol and um, sold inland and obviously providing some cushioning um going forward for for commuters. however mm. um, I, I think this is obviously short lived. I, I don't think it's something that um can last in the medium to long term. It's um, obviously just done to obviously help and assist um, South Africans. who have obviously seen um, prices escalate um, in proportion, as you would have seen from the former EA, men- um, EA leader in um, the past long weekend, indicating the cost of living, particularly some of these resources, particularly sunflower oil that has skyrocketed mm. um, quite exorbitantly. Um, so I think um, it, it is short-lived, but I don't think it will carry us into the medium to long term.
0: And then, I guess, you know, the other dynamic, of course, insofar as this is concerned, is the ripple impact on prices across the economy, uh, which is something that the Monetary Policy Committee looks at very closely. And uh, also, I guess, then, uh, ultimately, the headache that that means insofar as interest rates are concerned for credit active consumers.
1: Yeah, so, as you noted, the NTC, uh, particularly in the last two meetings, um, has increased um, interest rates, the repo rate, by 25 basis points in the last two meetings. And it is is um, pencilled in that there will be further hikes, particularly to um, the uh, repo rate. Um, so, uh, however, in terms of the NTC and their role in terms of trying to challenge or trying to um, weigh in terms of the inflation, because we've seen obviously the crude oil prices increasing, and that obviously um, providing high inflation, particularly to South Africans. And obviously, the NTC has always tried to keep inflation um, or CPI between the 46% band. Um, however, it has, in particular, where we saw um, oil prices um, escalate in February, we, where we also saw skyrocketing rock, sky and petrol prices rocketing in February. Um, so there's just need to be balancing um, the inflation components, but also something that they also need to also be careful on with regards to other monetary and and um, or sovereign um central banks around the world. They obviously need to balance that inflation with um the growth because we you know that um global growth and not only global global growth but African growth um will become muted um particularly in this year. And um, mm-hmm. as you know the IMF and various other um, bodies have penciled in a decrease, particularly in the global growth um critique and trajectory um, globally and also for Africans we also just need to um self to be cautious
0: of that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess just before we let we let this particular story go, um you know, in a in a way this story is linked to the first one that we had, right? I mean I'm interested in the implication that a potential default might have or even an escalation of this tension uh, or, or I guess, uh, the actions out in Ukraine uh, in this conflict between Russia and Ukraine, if those escalate, uh, the type of domino impact that uh, this economy might potentially face at a time where we still haven't recovered from the riots, the floods, COVID. um, I mean, it just... It doesn't really, I guess, look very, very good if uh, one looks at the crystal ball insofar as what this is going to mean for households and firms.
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, in, in various markets, I think we all dealing with the fact that the escalating prices and obviously the effects, particularly from the Ukraine and Russia war, and but I think what the market is also um, concerned about and also watching is with regards to the relations and what could potentially take place between China and Taiwan. So we just all um, are all on tender hooks, particularly during this period. Um, because yes, we we obviously in the first quarter we saw the invasion, um, which did um, escalate a, a, a very much a lot of things, particularly in the market. Um, however, I think markets are also very much on tender hooks and watching in terms of what happens between um, China and Taiwan and the ripple effect that could have um, going forward. And um, as you learned, you're spoken on the show. Um, the lockdown, particularly the extreme lockdowns that um, Shanghai has been under mm. um, for, for the past few weeks, and um, they not being able to um, export um, a, a lot of their, their resources out um, onto particularly service providers. Um, so that is one that we're all watching and obviously um, are always skeptical in terms of what's going to happen if there will be a ripple effect um, going forward in terms of uh, what happens in terms of the supply chain, which is affecting um um, various companies, Apple last week, which reported mm. some of their numbers, um, indicated um, that about 200 of their service providers um, are, are, are well, were obviously impacted by the supply sh- um, shortages and the impact in the lockdown that took place in Shanghai. And they're obviously indicating when they do release the iPhones in September, um, they could have the challenge of um, not getting their products to customers um, as soon as they would like to.
0: Yeah. And maybe if we leave that one, I guess, uh, yeah, just the looming implication of supply chain shortages, the lockdown in China, this conflict in Russia and Ukraine. But uh, let's maybe, I guess, uh, shift to something else, which I found of interest uh, out in the financial news early on today. Yindoni Nyakanye is civil rights audit. And it just seems something very attractive to do here, least of all with the most unequal society in the world. Or you call mm. an that might, I guess, have resonance and relevance here. But what is it and why are so many big firms across the world uh, picking it up as something that they might want to report on?
1: Yeah, so a civil rights audit um, particularly pertinently in the US market um, is an independent um, examination of significant um, civil rights and racial equality issues um, that a company might find whilst conducting their audit. And if they obviously find that particularly post their audits and recommendations um, that they need to do some work that the company needs to do. Um, there is a plan of action in order to address some of these issues um, in a thorough timely, and also transparent manner. And obviously, who conducts these obviously audits um, using some of these companies, U.S. companies, um, higher the likes of legal professionals, and also civil rights expertise um, who will assess the companies, particularly their business policies, um, their practices, and also their services in order to determine if there are any components um, that have a discriminatory effect and also an impact particularly historically disembarked groups, um, particularly in the U.S. Between, um the Black Lives Matter and also um, the Hispanic groups. So um, it's very much an audit in terms of trying to examine some of these racial um, equality issues that um, may find themselves particularly um, in a lot of companies um, which are obviously conducting their work. So we've seen a lot of the companies... Um, do such exercises uh, particularly with regards to the advertising space um, which is obviously quite pertinent and the digital space um, where a lot of the companies make use of um, advertising tools used by social media platforms um, in order to indicate or target or see any targeted messages um, or unfavorable messages particularly to any specific um, income group and so we've seen that being conducted by a number of companies um, such as Meta Mm. and also the likes of and I think an interesting one was was Dr. A and where actually an executive um particularly um conducted this particular um audit or initiated this particular audit um, after it emerged from reading reviews um that a lot of it was a lot of racial profiling um in some of the bookings that a lot of people were making, which is also something quite current to South africa where we've obviously received stories where there is kind of a lot of a lot of racial profiling mm. um in terms of a lot of bookings that do you take particularly in the
0: case of season. It's all interesting because, I mean, if we extend it to financial services firms, and it's interesting to see some of the things JP Morgan, for instance, has done in the U.S., uh, and their relevance to us here at home. I mean, I know there's a class action lawsuit that's being undertaken by, uh, you know, uh, a lawyer, Godrich Gadi, uh, who unfortunately also lost his daughter. And uh, we, uh, you know, keep his family and uh, all of his loved ones in our thoughts tonight on the back of that. But um, he's involved in a class action lawsuit, uh, which is aimed at trying to uncover some of this potential redlining. And I, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think when I go on, that this type mm-hmm. of redlining doesn't happen in South Africa. It's yeah. under the name of risk, right? Or pricing mm-hmm. or quantifying of risk. Um, so something interesting, I guess, we might want to think about here in South Africa. But, um, I mean, in a way, we also have quite a bit of legislation insofar as this is concerned, triple uh, you know, responsible banking and uh, all of the other
1: stuff. Yeah, so um, the one that you're obviously talking to, um, and I think um, the banks, particularly the financial institutions, have been very much challenged on, um, was then critiquing and getting um, particularly um, challenged um, on black customers being paid higher fees um, particularly for mm. certain accounts, or be it uh, if they want to take out a mortgage um, or take out car insurance. Um, there obviously there the, was the evidence particularly not only in South Africa but the US where racial profiling by a number of bat, uh, banks um, has been used. Uh, but I think the one that's most pertinent that I think um, the latest one, that's, um, was initiated by Amazon as related to um, their labor practices. So um, Amazon um, indicated that there was a review done by um, a lot of the treatment, particularly to their 1 million hourly employees in the U.S., um, who obviously um, made up, was made, obviously made up of minority group groupings and communities, um, which they obviously did a review. Mm. And I think one that um, has also been quite... particularly back in 2020, um, was Meta, where a lot of the um, campaigners, including um, Color of Change and Anti-Defamation League, um, Mm. indicated that they had attended an hour-long Zoom call with uh, Sheryl Sandberg and obviously Mark Zuckerberg, um, where they obviously wanted to get some answers in terms of the hate, speech, and racism um, that was
0: taking place, particularly in those platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe just, uh, I guess, you know, if one thinks about uh, the implications of this, um, much like when we speak about, you know, uh, pay gaps uh, between highest and lowest earners, we know there are racialized uh, pay gaps. We know there are gendered uh, pay gaps within firms. And uh, broadly, I guess, for our purposes, there are also wealth gaps uh, and how firms contribute to that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, if they can get to a much wider a sense of the type of harm that many of these firms inflict on the ecology, on mm. socially on people, and of course in many of the markets they operate in where they gobble up a lot of space, uh, then it might be a, a good outcome. Maybe just the last one here, Akwana, before we let you go. Purchasing Managers Index coming out of the Bureau of Economic Research out in Stellenbosch and uh, from APSA. Uh, yeah, seemingly, I guess, uh, subdued, but uh, we are also, I guess, returning to... Pre-2019 levels, insofar as sentiment in the manufacturing sector is concerned.
1: Yeah, so the research we are particularly pertaining to the after purchasing managers index um, indicated that the PMI sharply fell um, to fifty point seven index points in April, and, and this was, as a majority, was a result of the drop in business activity and sales, um, particularly with regards to the devastating fires and um, floods that we've seen in KZN, um, where. Where we saw a lot of the uh, manufacturing firms and other subsectors being forced to temporarily halt um, production um, as they assess um, some of the, the casualties. Um, however, I think what was important was the comment that came out of um, AFTA, which indicated that the, even protecting factories um, that were not directly affected by the flooding um, saw a significant drop. And this was primarily due to the the load shedding. Um, As you know, load shedding in stage four um, Mm. also took place in April, where we saw the peak of load shedding, um, particularly for this year. Um, So, yes, um, I think what's more alarming with regards to the business um, activity index, which lost about 20 points um, in April, um, from 60.5 in March to 39.6 in April, um, which obviously... Was as a result of the production stoppages owing to the Kevadan flooding um, and also the load shedding which persisted um, throughout Um, the month of April.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess many would hope that uh, we're able to uh, see a bounce back there, but. yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem very imminent so if one looks at how much scarring the economy will have to contend with over the next while. I mean, I heard from Toyota, they're coming out and saying there's a massive repair and reconstruction effort that's going to be needed, uh, certainly insofar as their operations are concerned out in Etteguini. So tough times ahead, up, but we have to leave it there for tonight. As always, a pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Thanks, Aya. Thanks to you, too. Thanks. Awesome stuff. Lam Portfolio Manager at 27 for Investment Managers, joining us for our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break now. When we come back, it's our headline segment. And, uh, yeah, we're talking about those civil rights audits. Well, one of the things they look at there, uh, our pay gap.